Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. We let that play for a while, but God, we got a lot to get to tonight, Tony. Yeah, we do. So let's go ahead and cut the reaction theme song short. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Harry Broadhurst. Joining me as per usual... Tony Tony, what's going on, sir? How was your weekend? Pretty good. Um, Quit getting messages from the raw anonymous general manager. We have a damn radio show to do. (laughs) Believe me, I'm going to get to that. We're going to get to that a little bit later on in the show, but we have a lot to touch on, including what happened last night. As you may or may not know... You may or may not know there was this pay per view last night, this Survivor Series thing, and everybody's all in a rage about a major legend finally making an impact on the WWE and getting the rightful spot that he deserves. I am, of course, referring to Damian Sandow winning his first title in the WWE. No, I'm not. Okay, actually, I'm referring to the debut of the man they call Sting. Um, real quick before we get to the actual pay per view discussion. So it was three to two going into last night. Mm-hmm. It's four two now. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say that I was right about the pay to the AJ and Nikki thing, but well, you know, kind of saw that one coming. Well, not you that specific it, right? way, but I, mean, I wasn't expecting it to happen the way that it did, but hey, at least you got a little girl-on-girl on the way out, so you know you had that going for you. You know, um, Survivor Series, it took me a day to watch it. Um, I didn't check out any spoilers or anything, and I have to say it was definitely the shock of the century. You know what? No one saw that coming, what happened. There were rumors running left and right, and there have been for a long time. I mean, you know, we all assumed it would happen eventually, this big moment, but to actually see it, I just, I nearly cried. And of course I'm talking about AJ losing the belt. Um, not thing. AJ had a few choice words this evening on Raw for the Bella Twins. Oh yes, she did. <laughs> How loud were you laughing when she said that? I was proud. I, I damn near cried. 
<laughs> you know, that's I mean, the level. You know, yeah, the, the the immediate response that I could see people having is that she's in the similar vein in regards to uh, transmitting talent via sex. However, one would argue that AJ Lee was much much talented before ever being um, in relations with someone else besides for me. Uh, one, w- one would argue that you have no talent and therefore AJ's point is mute. <laughs> you. You see what I did there? I brought it full circle for you. Yes. All right, so let's actually talk about the big news to come out of Survivor Series here. And I am, of course, referring to the debut on WWE television outside of a video game commercial and actually in the ring for the man they call Sting. Right. How big of a how big of a coup is this for the WWE to finally get him inside of a WWE ring? And do you feel that it affected the way that Dolph Ziggler's push will go forward in any way, shape, or form here and the fact that it took Sting getting involved at the tail end of the Survivor Series match? Um... I think what hurts Dolph Ziggler more is him cutting a great promo, which is a rarity for Dolph, and it was getting undercut by Cena trying to be funny. Um, We'll talk about that later. But realistically, no, I don't think that it hurt Dolph in the slightest. Technically, um, you know, he already already had the win. Everybody counted along to like seven or eight. It didn't hurt him. He didn't need help to defeat one person. He needed help to defeat four and realistically, it was only Triple H that had the upper hand against Dolph. He handled both Noble and Mercury pretty quickly. He even handled Seth, and um, I don't think that it hurt him at all. Of course, you know, we always say this, and I've been saying it for years, it's not about what happens at that particular moment as much as it's about the follow-up. So um, tonight was a good follow-up, good enough to put him on equal footing with John Cena, uh, with the exception of that little um, promo that I was talking about. So I, I don't think that's the presence of Sting hurt him per se. Um, I, in fact, it, it was a, it was a nice little moment. I, um, you know, to, to talk about that specifically, I was never a WCW fan. I know the importance of Sting. I definitely was never a TNA fan. Um, I know the, I know how much he brings to the table as far as nostalgia and legacy. And, but at the same time, I haven't been a big fan. I was never a big fan of WCW. And the only thing that I know, are, the only reason why I know so much about it is because it's a retrospective look on all of it. And even with that being said, I'm not going to lie to you, Harry, I got goosebumps. And that is a great feeling. I will openly admit to marking out in my friend's living room when the video hit and we we realized it was Sting. <laughs> Popped like a little sumbitch. <laughs> um, so, that actually kind of takes us into our opening segment for this evening. And on that note, let's do what we do here on The Reaction, Tony. Let's talk about Raw, shall we? Yes. Well, yeah. That guy. He's, and he said a lot of that, because that's apparently what he does. He, he said <laughs> that as well. <laughs> By the way, you are way too white, Daniel. Don't ever do that again. (laughs) (laughs) And I say this as a Daniel Bryan fan. Uh, Breaking news, Baltimore defeats New Orleans 34-27 on Monday Night Football. Mm. Power button. That entire NFC South is garbage, but all right, let's talk about Raw. 
Yeah. Um, Daniel Bryan, the bearded GM, is how you phrased it to me. Uh, for one week only, anyways, he was. Right. Now, well, not so much. Well, let's talk about the job <laughs> that we thought Brian. Let's talk about the job that we thought Brian did as the GM for this evening. Uh, were you surprised to see the beard at one return this evening? Uh, yes, and it was a welcome surprise. It's it's great to finally hear yes chants happening specifically for and because of Brian. Um, because for the last few months, that hasn't been the case. Um, we got a lot of um, people using the chant or attempting to use it, but um, it's back when it's rightful owner's hands. And it was nice to see him, nice to hear from him, nice to see that he was an integral part, and nice to see that he got what little revenge he could on the authority. Um, that that was very touching, I guess you could say. Um, Let's hear it for me! Yes! 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 Ah, wonderful. Yeah, um, it was great to see him. It was great to see um, the power that was bestowed upon him. I thought the opening promo, including Daniel's portion, went on a little too long. It took over a bulk of the first hour. But that's just nitpicking because it was cool to see Brian. Well, the thing was, is Brian's promo uh, after the Authority promo took up the very first half hour of the show in full. It mm-hmm. segued right into Ryback Henry, and we'll get into that match in quick hits because, well, we have a lot of sh- to get to tonight. But yeah, match itself so, was a quick hit. Yeah, no kidding. It was a ring post and then a lariat and good night, sweet prince. Anyway, um, as far as that goes, I mean, I really don't have an issue with keeping Brian in the forefront of the, of his return show here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do question that they had almost no interaction between Brian and Bree, but I think that might have to do with the fact that we kind of saw Bree turn heel last night and in a move that makes absolutely no freaking sense. None whatsoever. But I guess if you're looking at this from the John Bradshaw Lathal line of thinking here, family is thicker than than title belts or anything here. I still think this is going to lead us into Bree and Nikki for the title at at a uh, excuse me for Bree and Nikki for the title at WrestleMania. Yeah. Well. So, anyways, moving forward here, would you like to see Brian involved actively on television more in the build towards WrestleMania? Or would you like to see him wait until maybe a surprise return in-ring if everything's as out of proportion as some sources are reporting it being? I would support a surprise return more so than I would um, support an integral part of uh, him, him being an integral part of the show mainly because he's a rare specimen in which a bulk of his popularity comes more from his in-ring work than his out-of-the-ring work. Um, that's a rarity for a wrestler, especially from the mass um, public, from the majority of wrestling fans. They latch on to character. They latch on to um, humor. They latch on to stuff that they can you know, kind of garner and, and hold on to. And although um, I believe that they can hold on to Daniel Bryan's persona and personality, he's just a joy to watch in the ring. And I think that if you don't have that, but you have him, people might 
get tired of them, and I don't want that. No, I think there's a level of believability as far as in-ring talent that goes along with the Daniel Bryan character that not a lot of the other people in the current WWE roster provide. I can think of a handful off the top of my head. Ambrose, Rollins, Ziggler, um, you know, guys like that, that you believe that they're in-ring style and you believe in the fact that they view this as a sport and not just a business because there are certain ways other people go about it that you can tell that a lot of what they're doing inside of that ring is just them having to have the matches in between the segments and stuff that help get their characters over, that help them sell merchandise, that help them get the followers and the buyers and everything that they get. Whereas you can mm-hmm. tell guys like Ziggler, like Ambrose, like uh, Luke Harper, and especially like a Daniel Bryan, go into that ring and bust their ass every single time they're in that ring in order to take seriously the art and the sport of professional wrestling. Right. So it's going to be a case of it's going to be a case of seeing where where Bryan is when he returns if he decides to stick around, and a lot of it's probably going to have to do with where they're going to go with this whole anonymous general manager thing. And we'll touch more on that when we get to the main event in our final let's talk about Raw segment for the show. Um, by the way, in case it wasn't clear, I'm taking the tag title match from my hit just as a heads okay. up. I didn't get a chance to send that back to you in regards to our formatting here, but. I get one little spiel here. You get three. I don't know how this works. I'm the host. You're the co-host, but whatever. Here you go, Tony. Pop a top. All right. So my first do is in regards to um, Rusev and his character. And there was an interesting moment tonight. And I'm not going to get super political. I'm not even going to get political in terms of what happened tonight. However, there are a couple of angles that you can look at what happened tonight, and there's there's something interesting going on here. I don't believe they'll touch on, but I'm not the only person to notice. So Daniel Bryan gave Rusev an option. He said, either you come down to the ring and you do the Pledge of Allegiance, or you have a battle royal with the entire WWE roster for the United States Championship. And... Um, <laughs> Excuse me. Um, Rusev decided to do, um, well, neither, first of all, which was an issue that I had. But first, he comes down to the ring with Lana, and Lana does all the speaking, and she, uh, Rusev decides, you know what, F this, let's just walk out. We don't need this, We let's just leave. And before he can leave, the music of Sergeant Slaughter hits. He comes down, and he um, he's in the face of Lana and Rusev, and he's trying to force them to do the Pledge of Allegiance. Lana starts it, and at one point she looks really sad, and then her face changes to just like disdain, complete disdain and anger. And uh, it was it was interesting to watch, not because I'm like super patriotic and I'm looking for them to do this because it's the right thing to do, but I think it was the fact that when you look at this from a quote unquote American point of view, it is very mean. Um, <laughs> you're essentially causing someone else who is using our freedom of speech to not speak freely and love our country by any means necessary. And I don't know if this was blatant. I don't, I know what was blatant. I know Lana saying, you know, how dare they force this on us? What kind of country would do that? That was a blatant jab, but I don't know if they realized just how, how they were turning the microscope on themselves, both as a company, a wrestling company headed, especially by a Republican mindset, as well as the fact that Americans by and large are kind of exactly that way. 
where we will hype on our freedom of speech as long as that freedom of speech doesn't talk shit about us. So it was very minor, but it was interesting to see people kind of side with Rusev online at least, because I couldn't tell really from the, the crowd, but to see them kind of be like, well, he shouldn't have to do it if he doesn't want to. And even his facial expressions and the way that Lana was being forced, you could tell she was being forced. It was kind of, kind of interesting to just watch that little moment unfold on television. Um, of course, this leads to Jack Swagger making his triumphant before return you, to... Before you continue with your bit about Swagger, I just want to say that it was an excellent bit of character development from both Lana and Rusev there. The... Yeah. The way that the way that Rusev tried to get them just to walk away from the ring completely altogether, and then he would deal with whatever consequences came later, and then the look of absolute disdain in Lana's face for Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, this goes back to this is everything that Muhammad Hassan could have been if they did it right, and if there wasn't some you know coincidental Error. happenstance that just didn't work out. Um, and it, it could be one of those moments where you can eventually see Rusev being a sympathetic character. I don't see that happening anytime soon, but it shows that they have the depth and the ability and the fanfare to possibly make that happen and do it right. So I, I do think that that was a, a great spot of character development. Um, do you think it has Jack- anything to do with? Do you think it has anything to do with the fact that Rusev is actually a relatively solid worker for a guy his size? I think it has a lot to do with um, him, him being a well-rounded performer. Um, the few matches that we've seen, he's he knows what he's doing, and he's really good at it. Um, I think that we have yet to see just how much talent he has because he's hindered by his gimmick, which isn't a bad thing because he's still kind of fresh. But at the same time, it's, it's also kind of um, refre- uh, it's kind of comforting to see that the monster push is saddled on someone that can actually wrestle. All right, that's fair. Continue. Um, okay, well, I mean, this just shows how unimportant the next piece of that is. Um, Jack Swagger is, once again, the defender of America. Um, <laughs> and uh, although that is uh, great because it fits his character, it fits his persona, it fits Zeb, I'm not too interested. And um, no real particular reason why other than the fact that we've already seen it. I know that their storyline isn't complete. I know that there's a lot that they they didn't really finish up on. But at the same time, the way that it ended kind of made you feel like Rusev got the upper hand, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, I questioned I questioned Swagger being reinserted into the picture with Rusev as well, as well, especially given the fact that the last time we saw Rusev involved with anything. It was him and Ziggler when he was getting himself counted out at at Survivor Series, and I kind of thought that that might, in some way, shape, form, or fashion, lead to a a Rusev and Dolph Ziggler match. And plus, you've also had the rumors making the rounds of a Rusev and Roman Reigns series coming forward as well. Mm-hmm. So to see to see Rusev put back into a program with Jack Swagger, I too found that kind of questionable. Yeah, kind of seems like. Kind of seems like tonight, in regards to the way that they were booked in that promo, it was two it was two steps forward and then being put back into the feud with Swaggers like three steps back. Right. Unfortunately, that tends to happen a lot in regards to uh, in regards to the booking of the uh, the characters that they need to keep strong. They keep going back to previous victims on a pretty regular basis. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, hey, how else do you explain Zack Ryder getting TV time ever? Hmm. 
for Zach Ryder. All right, so normally this would be the part of the show where we would take our first commercial break, but as I mentioned, we have an absolutely loaded show tonight, and especially given the fact that we're going to have a lot more from Survivor Series factor into the discussions a little bit later on in the show. So what I want to do here is I actually want to go into some quick hits and some plugs as well. So let's do the plugs first. Let's pay some bills, and then we'll get into quick hits here on the reaction on Powerhouse Radio. Mm-hmm. The reaction is a presentation of Powerhouse Radio in association with blogtalkradio.com backslash PWP Radio as well as www.prowrestlingpowerhouse.com. My name is Harry Broadhurst. I am the play-by-play voice of Real Action Pro Wrestling as well as jack-of-all-trades, you know, whatever they need me to do, at Black Diamond Wrestling, both local promotions in my area in the Northeast Ohio area as well as curator and keeper-upper of the Yes, Yes, Yes page on Facebook, which got really active during Raw when a certain guy returned. (laughs) Gee, (laughs) I wonder why. (laughs) Yeah. But anyways, so why don't you go ahead and uh, tell everybody about what you do at 411 Mania, Tony. I cover the Raw report on a weekly basis. I did it tonight as well. Um, Basically, I'm typing out everything that you may not want to watch. Um, it's a good time. I encourage people to come through and comment. Um, right after that, I get to talk about it, so there's really not a lot of time for me to change my mind about anything. You'll get a laugh out of the Facebook message I just sent you in regards to your raw report. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Because maybe they're there. You don't know. Uh, I didn't see anything in blue, so. No, there are no no links to nudity in this one. It was um, it was a, there was a lot of action going on and a lot of typing going on, but. <laughs> yeah, typing. That's what we're calling it. Okay. Anyways, moving <laughs> on. <laughs> All right. Let's let's get to quick hits, shall we? Okay. All right. Hold on. I got to pull up the Greg DeMarco show sound effect because we don't have one of our own for this particular. Bang bang. That reminds me. Hey, Tony, what kind of guy are you? I'm a Greg DeMarco guy. Uh, I kind of figured as much. <laughs> All right, yeah. anyways. Uh, we briefly touched on it a little bit earlier. Let's get into it in a little bit more detail right now. Right back, Mark Henry, that opened the show. Okay. Um, it looks like they were going in, um, I wouldn't call it retcon completely, but definitely recovery mode with uh, Ryback that wanted to assure that his push was still intact even after making him the first one gone on the face team. Um, Which uh, surprised the crap out of me. Right, exactly. It surprised. I'm sure it surprised a lot of people. Um, what better way to do that than to face him against the uh, the newest, you know, seemingly uh, big-name jobber, Mark Henry? Um I guess I don't mind. I mean, if they're going to be pushing Ryback, then they want to give him some semblance of credibility. And I don't think they that he lost it by being the first eliminated, but I do think that that hurt him. Uh, they built him to be a huge deal. Everyone wanted him on his t- on their team. Um, they struggled. You know, the, an entire episode of Raw was dedicated to him being on someone's team, and then he's just kind of gone. <laughs> um, and it really put into perspective where he stands on the card. And now it seems like he's going into a program with Kane, which again, puts into perspective where they really see him. Um, 
so him beating Mark Henry, it didn't really bother me. Um, I guess the only thing that, that trips me out is where the hell Henry goes after this because he's continuously being used as this enhancement talent um, and then they want us to take him seriously, so it's kind of difficult. You want my honest answer to that? Sure. Retirement. Mm-hmm. I have a funny feeling that this time next year, Mark Henry will not be employed by the World, by World Wrestling Entertainment. I almost called him the World Wrestling Federation. This is what happens when I watch <laughs> the network, Tony. <laughs> I'm telling you. Bad things. All right, uh, they debut. They debut next week. Your thoughts on the new day? Um, uh, I'm excited to see where they go with it. I feel that if this is one of those things where someone can truly damage themselves by doing this uh, type of promo or by doing this type of character. Someone can really be hurt if they're not able to get a firm grasp on it. But I got to give credit to all three men involved, especially Kofi, because if there was anyone that I didn't think could could change this or could could change their own previous persona into something similar, and of course I'm only basing this off of the promos that we've seen. But if there was anyone, it was Kofi. Um, to see him pull this thing off is kind of refreshing and really cool to see. So if he can take that and translate it to a live promo, then we may have something great on our hands here. Yeah, is it just me, or is this like the most personality Kofi Kingston has shown um, ever? Definitely. And it makes me excited for what these guys are going to do. And by the looks of things, they're actually going to try to use them as baby faces, which honestly kind of surprises me, but I'm really looking forward to seeing how they're going to pull that off. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we know what Kofi's capable of. We know Kofi is a magnificently underrated worker. We kind of have a general idea that Big, Big E, for a bigger guy, is actually a pretty good worker. The X Factor here, and yo, you dealing with the X Factor, again, what happens when I watch the network, is what do we expect from Xavier Woods here? Because I don't think we've seen enough of Xavier Woods to know exactly what to expect here. Um, we've only seen him in... One... Go ahead. If there's one thing in um, the WWE does well, I would have to say it's three men teams. And uh, I think that there is enough investment for us uh, into these characters that they'll do well. Um, Big E, I think not a, not a lot of people know, but there are enough people that know that would agree with me when I tell you that Big E is excessively charismatic and people have yet to see what he can do. And he's still very young. In regards to the X Factor, um, what little we did see, at least in the ring, was was fresh, uh, competent, and kind of exciting. Kind of like a, a little, in the same vein of Kofi Kingston, although not so much the same that you would be annoyed by it. So I think that they're going to do well, as long as there's a belief system behind them. I think I would go as far to say as Big E Langston may be the single most charismatic guy on the roster. And most people won't know that because most people wouldn't have get, would not have gotten the chance to see that particular side of Big E. Do you agree or disagree right. with that assessment? Definitely agree. Um, he's the type of dude that um, he's 
naturally funny. That's very hard to find. It's even harder to harness on television, especially if it's a live showing, because he's one of those guys you do not want to script. If you script him, you will get Dolph Ziggler promos. Um, <laughs> and what I mean by that is they're they're stilted, they're not funny, and they're not they don't adhere to the personality that they're trying to show. Um, so yeah, I think that there's a lot of untapped potential in this entire team, and I'm excited to see it come to fruition. I think we're gonna get the best. I think we're gonna get the best example of what these guys are capable of when they debut next week. Um, yeah, all right, you so. have the pen here. You have the pen here, Tony. Are they faces or heels if you have the pen? They're heels. Really? Oh, yeah. I want them to be heels. I want that the preacher gimmick. The I want the holier than thou. I want the we're better than you. I want, um, uh, just, I just, I, I want it. Yeah, I want, yeah, I want them to preach to me like motherfuckers. I want to... Just yeah, faces. They're, they're that's very hard to pull that off as a face. Um, and I think if anything, they'll be debuted as a face for a week, and then they'll be turned. All right, that's fair enough. Let's talk about somebody that recently re-debuted in regards to both last night on the pre-show to Survivor Series, as well as tonight in the absolutely heatless encounter with Justin Gabriel. I am referring to Fandango. Yeah, sorry, man. That ship has sailed. I have little to no interest in you or your counterpart, Rosa Mendez. Um, but then, uh, he's still got the best fucking leg drop in business. That thing is beautiful. But changing your music is basically changing the only thing that people were originally interested in. And facing people like Justin Gabriel does not do you any favors. So it's a shame, but I don't see him going any further than where he is right now, regardless of any repackaging. Uh, it's pretty well established that I'm fond of the Latina divas. Uh, Layla, who is British and has some Hispanic in her as well. And I've mentioned before here that I think Rose is an incredibly attractive woman here. And I think Rose is an incredibly attractive woman in the outfits that she was wearing tonight as well. Unfortunately, she's going to be looking for new outfits to be wearing real soon, because if tonight was any indication, this thing is going to fall flat on its fucking face. Mm Mm-hmm if it hasn't already, because that crowd tonight, and don't get me wrong, the Indianapolis crowd wasn't active for a whole lot, but they were sit on their hands quiet during that match, and that is never a good sign, especially when a guy is just re-debuting, bringing a new twist to a persona. And as you said, losing the music there is going to do nothing but hurt him in the long run as well, because that is the one thing in regards to that gimmick that people unanimously enjoyed. There were people chanting it in the crowd tonight, um, they were singing along on the side, uh, ringside, and there wasn't a lot of them, but they was there, which is enough for me to see that you kind of took away the one thing that people backed you up with, regardless of whether you were a face or a heel. <laughs> and you know when they go back overseas, he's going to still get the same chance from all the fans over there, assuming he's still around. Right. There's nothing so um, the- that people can latch on. You know, he, he's like basically you know, dancing with the stars. And um, I don't think a lot of wrestling fans um, translate to that. The only time wrestling fans ever gave a crap about that show was when Jericho was on, and even that's debatable. (laughs) All right, we carry on here with... All right, so we touched on this briefly as well, and I want to get your full thoughts here. AJ Breed tonight. Do you think this is the beginning of the end for AJ Lee? 
You know what? When she grabbed the mic after the match, I almost cried. I thought... <laughs> oh, I had the same thought. I thought she was going to say she was quitting. Yeah, I was just... I was going to cry. Um, luckily, we just got a really fucking good burn. Uh, <laughs> it feels like About- it might be the end of her career. I think the only reason why it feels that way is because we are so used to and we accept that she is essentially the best thing that the Divas division has. So much in fact that we can't see her as her, we can't see her as anything but the Divas champion. In all reality, I'm not mad that she lost the title. Um it's going to happen, you know. It's okay for it to even happen to a heel. What bothers me is that it happened to a person who just isn't competent in the ring. And it happened in a matter of seconds for seemingly the dumbest reasons. So it's not so much that she lost. And this is coming from possibly the biggest AJ fan ever. It's how she lost and what it means. Yeah. (laughs) What it means to the Divas division. Um... Does anyone care about Brie and Nikki? No. And if you're going to align them with someone, please don't say Chris Jenner. Um, <laughs> that, that just bothers the shit out of me. Of course she would be a Bella fan. <clears throat> but, yeah, it's just, I don't know. This whole thing is messy. And, you know, Brie, like, you have a sister versus sister feud. I see family fight all the time. But this was a matter of a week ago. <laughs> all right? And then, you know, before that, we had people wishing she died in the womb. And we've got all this negativity. We've got milkshakes being poured. We've got her basically being her slave for a month. It was and then she turns for, like, what? For for what? What is the logical explanation? I'll tell you, there isn't one. It's just a symbol. Wow. It's just a way to get them to, to wrestle against each other later on in wrestle, at WrestleMania. Yeah, there's there's your logical reason right there. It's to set it up for Bree to turn face again by turning on Nikki at some point and then announcing that she's going after the title closer to WrestleMania. That was the point. Mm-hmm. And it was a very stupid way to get there. And I don't know if you saw what Greg posted in the Yes group because Greg stays active there. Yeah. Greg posted that it came out that they were told literally minutes before they went out there that belt that entrance to finish they were getting about three minutes. Yeah. And this is after an absolutely meaningless eight women Survivor Series match. And don't get me wrong, the match wasn't bad. And Naomi's head scissors power driver looked vicious as all hell. Like, I was concerned for Paige's safety after she took that. I was like, damn! <laughs> but anyways, that match right there at SummerSlam, I think, won about nine, ten minutes, and then they give the Divas title 30 seconds, if that. I don't even think it yeah. was 30. Yeah, it was really bad. It was just... I, I just it was unfortunate. You know, I, I like the callback to Brian. I like that they mentioned that. It all fits. It, it's circular. That's Brian's wife. Um, AJ did DDT her prior to Survivor Series. Like, it all makes sense. It's just kind of rude, <laughs> basically. Well, the thing is, is, is we talked about this match last week on the show, and we both said that we thought that the match actually had some potential because 
while Nikki's not the greatest worker or anything, Nikki's gotten significantly better from what she used to be, and I think you can agree with me on that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not like they were going to have a bad match, most likely. It's just they never even got the time. They never got the time to have a bad match. They didn't get any time whatsoever at Survivor Series. Yeah, and this match wasn't wasn't all that great to me. I, there's a lot of little things I didn't like. I didn't like that uh, Bree couldn't choose an arm to work on. She went from right to left numerous times, um, and I think that just comes with her lack of experience. I didn't like that even though she worked the arm the entire time, it didn't really come into play for the ending, with the exception of Nikki using it to hang her up you know, on the ropes. So there was just a lot of little things that I was like, man, this is just... I didn't like that she kicked out of the Shining Wizard. That bothered the fuck out of me. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah, there's there's just certain things that I wasn't okay with during this particular, um, you know. But the um, the ending with uh, AJ's particular with her AJ's little moment um, where she essentially said talent is not sexually transmitted. Um, yeah. I'm sure that had you rolling on the floor laughing. AJ was you were great. Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, actually, I wanted to ask you about that. I, I, am I the only one that thinks they might catch a little bit of heat for that? Nah, they won't. There's, there's not enough people paying attention. <laughs> they'll be fine. Well, I, think, I mean, okay know, then. Yeah, there's, there's, they'll be fine. I just, I, I questioned that there. I mean, it made sense giving the context of what went down at Survivor Series, but I just, I didn't know necessarily that that was the way to go with that one or not. Alright, one last thing to touch on here in Quick Hits, and then we get back into the bulk of the show here. Adam Rose and the Bunny against Tyson Kidd and Natalia. When are we going to finally reveal who's in the suit? I don't know if they will. I don't know if they're going that route, but if they do, um... I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know if I'm alone in this, but I lost all interest um, last week. I lost interest the minute the bunny started humping people. Um, this has nothing to do with it being rated PG. It has nothing to do with my, um, you know, my my PC in, inner core, because, you know, me of all people could give a fuck less about any type of sexual transgression or you know, taboo stuff happening on TV, online, in this radio show, on my column. I don't care. It's just a matter of if this is supposed to be funny, I'm really waiting for it to be funny because a bunny humping a grown man, it just doesn't strike me as hilarious or funny or even chuckle-worthy. It's just bothersome. And not in a homophobic way. I don't care. If they were gay, it'd probably be funnier. But they're not. It's a bunny. It's a man in a suit, and he's humping another dude that is basically Russell Brand Light. I just don't find any humoric value in it, and it could be personal bias because humor is subjective, but this is a complete waste of time to me. Um, Honestly, given the two storylines there, I'm far more interested in the Tyson Kidd and Natalia storyline, and I'm really hoping that it leads to Tyson Kidd, get, Tyson Kidd getting something resembling a decent push. And speaking of people getting a decent push, now that the belt's off of AJ, do you think it's possible that we might see Natalia get more involved in the dealer's title picture? I think at this time, at this point, uh, the Divas title could use a little bit more as far as characters coming into play. 
Um, all these divas are essentially aimless. Um, you're in a wrestling company. You're a wrestler. What should be your number one priority? Well, the only people that give a damn about the title is are the Bellas, who apparently want it for an accessory, as per AJ, or AJ, who calls it essentially her life. Um, Natty would be a great addition to it because she is a wrestler. She wants prestige brought back to it. It would make perfect sense. And then all the other ladies, like as much as I don't want certain ones touching the belt, it should be their focal point. Um, and AJ hopefully can latch on to a story that's more interesting than a simple chase for the title. Uh, because even though I'm a big fan, I can agree with certain people when they say that she has gotten certain um, certain moments where she's stale. I don't think she's stale. She can show up and not say a damn thing, and I'm going to love it. But from a wrestling fan perspective, they want to see something interesting. They want to hear her say something interesting, and thankfully they got that tonight. Here's my thing in regards to this whole Divas title picture, and this will be the last thing that I say about this before we move on, because we actually do have a caller in queue, and I'm going to get to him in a second. Okay. It's as you said here. They put the focal point on the non-title Divas at Survivor Series by having the match that won as long as it did. And they actually showed that there are a couple capable workers in that match as well. They showed that Naomi can go. They showed that Paige is a good worker. They showed that Summer Rae and Layla both have their moments. Alicia, while... Looking dangerous is a relatively credible worker. Emma has her moments as well. Not to mention, Emma got a couple really good crowd reactions last night as well. So mm-hmm. there are women, and there are women, and there are characters that they could be putting into this division in order to give it some resemblance of relevancy. It's just a case of do they have the uh, do they have the focus to actually give these women the storylines and the attention that they need in order to make them and the title by proxy seem important. Yeah. On that note, uh, yeah, uh, the reaction welcomes in one of its regulars. Assuming hey, guys. a little microphone. But... Hey, Joe, um, can you hear me? Yes, sir, I can hear you. Hey, Harry, Tony, how are y'all? Pretty good. Yep. Me too. I'm, do- um, I'm doing really do well. Want- I'm looking forward to hearing I- what you have to say about Survivor Series. Okay, yeah, Survivor Series. That main event was truly epic. The ending, the uh, ending when Triple H is about to screw Team Cena over, the lights crackle and go out, and man, when you heard that reaction of Sting, it was like 1997 all over again. Don't you think that that might be considered something of a problem, though, in the fact that people might worry about what Sting's going to be capable of once he does get into the ring for the WWE? Because you have to think, with him debuting last night at Survivor Series, this is going to lead to Sting having a match at WrestleMania. We won't know who it's against until closer to WrestleMania season because I've heard multiple names thrown out. But as you said, it's like it was 1997 all over again. That was 17 years ago. Yeah, that's right. But, um, yeah, I would, sorry for interrupting, but I would love to see Sting versus Triple H at uh, WrestleMania. As much as I'd like to see Sting versus Undertaker at Mania, I think it's not going to happen. I think there's a likelihood chance it can't happen because of Taker's health 
And don't get me wrong, I like The Undertaker, but it's just not his health, you know. Yeah, well, the thing is, is we saw what happened with Taker against Lesnar. Now, granted, Taker got concussed early into the match there, so we clearly didn't see Taker at 100% in that match there. But I think at this no, stage we... of their careers, I think at this stage of their careers between Triple H and The Undertaker, I think Triple H is going to pull a better match out of Sting than The Undertaker would. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. But, yeah, let's get into uh, let's get into some Raw if if we want. First of all, By I'm all glad that we, I'm glad that we saw Daniel Bryan as GM for the night. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Hello? for the night being the operative phrase there. We hear yep, you. Are we still there? Okay. Yep, yeah, Ooh. I still hear you. Yeah. So Daniel Bryan was the GM for the night, and he puts all team members of the authority. And what about that Kane as a food sales director? I mean, you got to be kidding me. Sunday, <laughs> don't. First he goes to dentist, to a masked man, to an unmasked man, to going back to the mask, to going back to unmasked and wearing a suit and tie from food director operations. <laughs> Silly hey, Kane. It's Tony. <laughs> what? What? You're a P- you're a PWG guy. Which, yeah. Did you get the joke that I made during the thing that I ca- when I called him that they basically turned Kane into Excalibur? <laughs> I actually didn't see that, but that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Wait, thank you, thank you. I thought it was pretty funny myself. Speaking of monsters, how about? Big show, whining and crying. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I want to be made. I want y'all to forgive me for what I did. But then he turns angrier, saying, how dare you? How dare yeah, you? Well, here's the thing. One if you Big show Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Well, here's the thing, though. If you at any point thought Big Show was sincere in his apology at the start of the 10 p.m. hour, then... You're playing into exactly what Big Show wanted you to wanted you to feel, because obviously you could tell just by the way that he acted backstage before he even came out. There was no remorse from what Big Show did at Survivor Series. Big Show thought that he made the right decision, granted, and he ended up betting on the wrong horse. But at the same time, realistically speaking, what is it going to cost Big Show in the long run that he was wrong? Mm-hmm. He's been heel in faith for over. I mean, they push him into a heel for for a year. And face a year later, kill a year later, face a year later. I don't know. It's just like a, it's just like a back and forth. Don't know what Big Show wants to do. Big Show doesn't know what to do. I mean, there you have him, a smiley guy, and then all of a sudden he turns into a heel, and then he's serious, like to smile when he beats up people. Okay, so Raw, I mean, the thing is, is we actually had a thread on Yes about this year, and one of the members of Yes, Damian Gonzalez, actually went as far as to list out every big show he'll face in tweener turn. Clearly, <laughs> the guy has more free time than any of the rest of us do combined. Yes. That's that's the hard truth about that. You know, actually, he, just, he just needs to make up his mind, because at his age... At this stage of his age, he's got to retire some sometime soon. So you need you got to have him as a face, 
if he wants to retire soon. But not that yeah, I, I didn't disagree. expect. Allow me to disagree with. Sorry. Hold on real quick. Hold on real quick here, John. Allow me to disagree with you for a second. Honestly, I think you can do the Monster Hill Big Show on the way out there because you can use him to put over a new up-and-coming face as the new guy, on the new big man on campus. And personally, one of the guys that would strike me as immediately fit for that role would be a guy like Baron Corbin from NXT. Ooh. Ooh. I don't, I don't know much about him, but I think you're right. You hit the nail on the head. That big man can totally fight the big show with one with uh, a lot of aggression. But uh, let's get right, into continue. this Dolph Ziggler thing. I mean, Dolph Ziggler, I think the most Survivor Series eliminations was uh, Dolph Ziggler eliminating four people because he beat Rusev by countout, Kane, Harper, and Seth Rollins. I mean... That's okay for Dolph Ziggler because he won. He was like passing the torch to Cena. Wait, what? He wasn't. Sorry, sorry. I mean, I mean, sorry, sorry about that. He wasn't <laughs> passing the torch to Cena. He was. Uh, he was, you know, getting the torch to steal Cena? the show. What? I think, if anything, that this might have been Ziggler's coming out party into the main event scene. I mean, I don't know if there was any torch passing involved in one way or another there because there was no direct influence in, as far as Cena being involved at the tail end there because Cena got taken out a good 10, 15 minutes before the match came to a conclusion. Yeah, and Sting coming out to help Ziggler win. I mean, Zig Ziggler really stole the show last night, like he always says. <laughs> And he showed us right there that he can be a main event star. But I think it's a little too early at this stage of the game in 2015. I know he won the Survivor Series elimination match, but I think you can give him give him like a push, and then they're going to bury him once again. God, I really hope not. I think if if ever there's a chance to finally and get I, the, I, full, I, the full the full convoy behind Ziggler, now is the time to do it. Now is the time to, you know, put in some new stars. I mean, Ziggler could be the guy that could actually be in the Royal Rumble and win the whole thing in Philadelphia. Yeah, I can't help but think that Roman Reigns is walking out of the Rumble with the win, but that's just me. Roman Reigns is definitely still my odds-on favorite to win when he comes especially back. Especially if he comes back in December and is anywhere near as over as he was before he had the surgery. Yeah, are we? But are we going to see the same Roman Reigns like we saw before? I mean, Harry, there's Roman Reigns. He was still the same Roman Reigns before he was injured, and I think we'll still see him before after he was injured. I think He's time will tell. It's going to depend. It's going to depend on what we get when he returns a little bit later on in December. I, I honestly think the only person that can answer that question right now as far as what Roman Reigns we're going to see when he comes back is Roman Reigns, and time will tell. My final question is uh, is the whole GM stunt. I mean, I just spoke with Mega Powers Radio. I'm sure you guys know Mega Powers Radio, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly, can't and, say uh, familiar. They've talked about 
three possible heel GMs. Paul Heyman, William Regal, and another, which I hope to God doesn't happen, the Mr. John Laurinaitis. My name is John Laurinaitis. I am the executive vice president of Counter Relations. I mean, come on, that voice. When I when I heard that I wanted, in 2012, it made, it I made me watch paint drop. I want it stated for the record that I would mark like a little schoolgirl for John Laramide is coming back as the GM. People oh, power. you would. <laughs> yes. oh, you People would. Power. Yeah. Um, in regards in regards to the other two gentlemen that you that you mentioned there, John, I honestly think that Paul Heyman's a viable candidate. But realistically speaking, the way that I think it's going to end up going here, and we were going to touch on this a little bit later, so I'll go ahead and get into this right now. I honestly think it's going to be either Triple H or Stephanie pulling the strength of the anonymous G. Mm-hmm. You better, they better not, or else, or else, they're, I'm not watching the WWE anymore. <laughs> I'm only teasing, I'm only teasing. All right, John, we're going to get on with the rest of the show here. Thank you for All calling right, in, buddy. Harry, thank you very, very much for letting me come here. I hope I hope to see you, talk to you guys next week. Y'all have a good night. All right, man. You too. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, Happy thanks, Thanksgiving, John. Thanks for calling in. Same to you guys. I actually would not mind William Regal coming back as the GM. Well, I actually I thought about Regal. Um well, what I thought before the anonymous GM thing was going on, I thought that maybe Cena would choose someone on a weekly basis, and we would get Mick Foley one week and Regal the next week, and just a little, just a lot of awesomeness. But of course, one can never be too hopeful with the WWE because there's always a call to the past that no one wants. <laughs> Admit it. How ready were you to throw your key? How ready were you to throw your laptop through your television screen when that GM beetle went off? You know, the biggest issue with the anonymous GM actually is very little to do with there being anonymous, an anonymous GM. I don't know how long you've followed me, Harry, as a writer for 411, but if there is one person that I have hated in the WWE for a consistent amount of time, it was the heel version of Michael Cole. Since season three of NX, all the way up until he got his little comeuppance and we finally had him shut up and minimize the nuisance that he became, I loathed Michael Cole. I would watch shows on mute specifically because of him. It wasn't the annoyance that you wanted. It wasn't a heel tactic that ended in someone, you know, being um, hated for all the right reasons. It was a literal disdain for a character like, man, if I was 14 and he was Snape, man, I would have been pissed. Like, the dude was just a bane to my existence in terms of recapping NXT. It was disgusting, it was deplorable, and it was horrible. It did nothing but hurt the product. The moment that he asked for my attention was the moment that I wanted to turn off the television. Did you notice the level of smugness that he asked for the attention with? Oh, of course, because he knew. He knew exactly what this was. And and then there was also that retarded moment where they're like, oh, my God, what is this? There's a fat-ass podium next to your fucking desk that says anonymous GM. <laughs> it isn't just a there. 
Are you ready for the five scariest words in the English language? <laughs> May I have your attention, please? <laughs> Michael Cole, Raw General Manager. <laughs> um, I just saw a video that after Raw, he got super kicked by Ziggler. So I'm going to be watching that about 20 times in the next two minutes. He got super kicked like Ziggler? Dude, you had to Facebook message me that link. All right. I will. Yeah, he um, okay. he went in the ring to talk to Cena and Ziggler, and um, <clears throat> Ziggler gave him a nice little super kick. Oh my God, they're turning Michael Cole heel. Uh, these these rat bastards are turning Michael Cole heel. There's just certain I'll, things I'll that out. he should be doing. Certain things that he should. The only be doing. way. The only way that I can accept this is if it leads to the return of another announcer, or if it leads to the promotion of Tom Phillips to the raw table full-time. As somebody that watches SmackDown on a regular basis, Phillips is miles better than Cole and Bradshaw Layfield. Hell, I'd settle for for Renee Young at the announce table on a regular basis. Renee's actually not bad in NXT. Yeah, she's actually not bad um, as a personality. Um... You know, I think my biggest issue with all of this is it, it was it was one of the biggest examples. And, of course, I'm going to give it a week. I want to see what they do with it. I doubt they're going to do anything well with it. But what I think is that it was one – it was an episode of Raw where I saw a lot of positivity in the comments. Everyone was like, what's going on? Why is everyone so entertaining? Why is everyone so funny? Why is it such a good episode of Raw? And I'm thinking to myself, well, a lot of people like it. Like, there's something happening here. And then they end with that bullshit, and I think it deflated everyone. Like, oh, I hate to imagine. I hate to imagine how the comment section over at 401 in the Raw report looked as soon as the uh, as soon as the Beatle went off for the G- the anonymous GM. Because I'd imagine yeah, people went fucking bad. crazy. It was pretty bad. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Well, while we're on the topic here, let's go ahead and continue talking about Raw. We'll switch. Uh, we'll switch. Let's talk about Raw's two and three since we're, we're since we're on the segment here. Uh, okay. The main event for tonight's the, the main event for tonight's Monday Night Raw was Jamie Noble, Joey Mercury, and Seth Rollins against Dolph Ziggler and and John Cena. Were you glad to see J and J Security in the ring in an actual match context and? How do you think they performed for guys that haven't been in the ring in about seven years in Noble's case and probably about five or six in Mercury's? Um, I was really happy with them being chosen. Uh, They've kind of been in the background, and then they kind of took a little bit of a forefront position, which was really cool. These guys aren't so far removed to where we don't remember who they are. Um, And uh, seeing them in the ring is just one of those nice little moments where it's kind of like a, yeah, they deserve that. They deserve to get a little bit of um, a thank you from us. You know, they're doing all this stuff backstage that people don't even know about. And those were two hands that luckily got out of the business before they were damaged, before they were, you know, mentally altered or physically beaten up. Like, And they're still giving back. Like, that's, that's really cool for me to see. And it's, it's a great way to appreciate who they were and what they're doing right now. Um, well, I would say that, I would say that Joey Mercury's face disagrees about him not being physically beaten up. But you know, <laughs> well, that's so. a damn. That's a very, very, very valid point. <clears throat> um, my only issue with the match, and this is because there was a commercial in between, but 
it started off and we got a we got a funny little interaction and then we got very little offense. Uh, I believe it was just a side headlock and a couple of stomps. When we came back, John Cena was beaten up completely. Like he looked like his ass was beat until he got to his corner and then nothing. And it's just another issue that I have with John Cena there where he sells for about what half a minute and then, <laughs> and then all of a sudden he um you know no longer hurts it's, it's not, and it's hard to it's hard to understand it's hard to believe that someone as small as did you see Jamie Noble put that side headlock on it it didn't look good <laughs> because, because he so looked weak. he looked he looked every bit the cruiserweight he is <laughs> <laughs> yes yes he did damn it But, uh, yeah, my thing is here is I'm okay with them getting this spot here tonight. And, I mean, obviously we have the running gag on yes with Jamie Noble, boy! In regards to his old trailer park gimmick that he did with Nitty and stuff. And I think a lot of the longer-term viewers remember Noble and remember what he was capable of inside of the ring and are enjoying the fact that the younger generation are getting kind of introduced to him as this generation stooges, like how myself and yourself growing up during the Attitude Era, we had Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe, who were guys from guys from before that, made their ch- that got their chance to return back into the limelight as lackey, stooges, whatever you want to call them. Right. And it was nice for me to see the chance for Noble and, and Mercury to get a little bit of the shine here. Plus, you got... Mercury, who is one of the genuinely good stories in regards to pro wrestling. This is a guy who known battles with drugs, known battles with addictions, and has fought his way back every single time. And a guy who, realistically speaking, his out- outlook on life could be screwed up because of what happened to him in a fluke accident in the- at Armageddon in 2006. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who literally sacrificed his looks for this business. Because he had a he had a ladder go so far up into his face that it almost killed him. I can still remember watching that particular pay per view at a BW three. This was back when BW three still showed pay per views. God forbid the thought anymore. But anyways, back when BW three, and then you see the impact of Hardy's ass on the ladder, and then the ladder going up into Mercury's face, and then you immediately see a pool of blood on the canvas, and you're like. Oh shit! Something just went wrong. Yeah, yeah, I remember. So uh, this is a guy who literally sacrificed his looks for this business and stuff. So it's nice to see him getting kind of a roundabout reward in regards to that. I mean, you could say that he had a chance to have his spotlight as well when he was involved with the Straight Edge Society back with CM Punk in 2010. I think it was when Punk was feuding with Mysterio, mm-hmm. and Mercury was involved with the Straight Edge. Yeah. Mercury was involved with the Straight Edge Society with Punk, but now he's getting a chance for the younger fans, the uh, the kids that they're more aiming their product towards these days, to get a chance to see what Joey Mercury and, to a lesser extent, Jamie Noble are capable of. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, do you want to get into the second do right here, and then we'll go into the next Let's Talk About Raw? Um, sure. All right, let's go ahead and pop open the top on that second do then. Thank you. Mm. Uh, yeah, I wanted to mention <laughs> what we talked about a, a second ago with John uh, in regards to the Big Show's turn. Um, first, I want to give him props for being able to um, 
be interesting as far as acting goes, but we kind of expect that from him considering he's been in films, he's actually taken, you know, some classes, and he's naturally charismatic. Um, as much as I want to see Eric Rowan continue upward on this little push that he's going, I'm afraid that I have no interest in Big Show versus uh, Eric Rowan. Um, nor do I like the fact that Show like the turn, even though if we're to believe that he was being tongue in cheek the entire time, it's just that like we've been here before and it was very recently um, that we've been here before. So it didn't come off as new. It came off as tired. It came off as something that we've seen one too many times for the same person. Uh, didn't hold a lot of weight for me. And I just, I kind of lost interest midway through the, uh, through the promo and having Eric Rowan come out didn't make it any better. Um, I feel like this isn't necessarily a step back for him, but it's definitely not a step forward. And of course, that is one of those things where when I, when I have an opinion, nine times out of 10, I think I'm right. Um, but there's always that one time out of 10 where I don't think I'm wrong. I just don't think many people would agree. And I think this is one of those. I kind of disagree. And I will Casey say that Punk. I actually do have a little... I, I, I will say that I have a little bit of interest in seeing what happens in regards to Eric Rowan under this whole circumstance. Mm. <laughs> I mean, we all know Big Show's time has passed. His best years are clearly behind him. He's on the downswing of his career. So he's at the stage right now where he should be like a guy like a Chris Jericho, where you use him as a special attraction in order to put over younger talent that's going to be around and going to be at the top of the card. Uh -huh. For some reason, the fans are taking to Eric Rowan. Right. And I can't say I entirely understand it. I mean, obviously, we've all thought that he is the weakest link of the three members of the, of the original Wyatt family. But there's a level of just weird charisma about him that is undeniably likable. Right. So there's a level of interest in regards to what Eric Rowan does, but I think the level of interest in regards to what Eric Rowan does in this is only the case if Rowan actually gets something out of this and it's not just another feud in order to, hey, Big Show's kind of here and he's going to kick Rowan's ass on his way to jobbing to Cena before Cena gets Lesnar. Yeah, I'm also just kind of worried on the, um, um, well, basically, uh, he said he doesn't like bullies, and I'm trying to figure out where Big Show became a bully. Um, <laughs> so it's just, there's, there's, there's potential for this to be good, and if there's one thing I want to say, it's a, um, it's pretty awesome to see, um, Rowan getting the support from the crowd. I'm I'm really happy about that. I'm really happy to see that work out for him. Because um, yeah, it are, is nice are. to see that Rowan's. It is nice to see that Rowan's not going to get lost in the shuffle in regards to the breakup of the original Wyatt family. Because I think there's definite potential there for Rowan going forward there, and especially if he finds his niche in this kind of a character that he's doing right now. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to depend a lot going forward how how we see the eventuality of the Eric Rowan character played out, and especially in regards to the context of his feud with the Big Show, whether or not he actually comes out of it with anything anything substantial, or whether or not he's just a stepping stone for Big Show, as I said, on his way to a feud seen in regards to him turning the game Survivor Series. Yeah. If you haven't had a chance yet, by the way, do yourself a favor and look at the list that Damien compiled on Yes. It's head-scratching, to say the least. <laughs>
Christopher called that Miz Dow and Miz were going to win the tag titles at Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Christopher was the only one of the four of us that did the predictions that called Miz Dow and, and Miz winning the tag titles at Survivor Series. Which <laughs> means that Jimmy Christopher was the only one who was correct in that four-way for the tag titles. First of all, your thoughts on the pop for when Sandow, or excuse me, Mizdow, pinned Epico, I think? Who cares? Oh, sorry, Diego. No, t- t- <laughs> Matador number, Matador number, <clears throat> might as well just call him a conquistador and be done with it. Anyways, <laughs> they were entertaining. <laughs> And one of them was Christopher Daniels. Anyway, <laughs> your thoughts? Hey, uh, nothing but love for the fallen angel here on the reaction. <laughs> your thoughts on Ms. Dow being the one to get the pin in the tag title match? Um, it was cool, and it sets the stage for what's to come, which I believe we all know eventually there's going to be some semblance of a breakup. Um so yeah, I didn't. I, I have no issues with the way this is turning out, especially considering if there's one thing that I predicted right, it was the possibility of Damian Sandow showing up with replica titles as opposed to real ones. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed at the little kid belts on his shoulder. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> and also, Ms. Dow can sell an atomic drop like a son of a bitch too. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, Your thoughts on the the way the the tag match tonight was worked with Miz actually out for most of it. Uh, A, do you think it was in any way, shape, form, or fashion legitimate? And B, did you happen to catch Miz's (laughs) F-bomb? There was a lot of people in the comment section saying, well, Miz must be hurt. They wouldn't be um, taking so long. Then people were like, well, they wouldn't be continuously going back to it through on the camera. So there's a lot of confusion. And all that says to me is that Miz is underrated, um, in, at least in terms of selling, because a lot of people believe that he was really hurt, um, judging by the responses that he had, just like you said, an F-bomb was dropped. And, um, you know, a lot of the things that he was doing just on ringside. Of course, this was all a ploy to have Sandow do all the work and Miz take the win, which will eventually get frustrating. Um, This is one of those tried and true stories where it's not hard to book. But once again, and we've mentioned this before, it's an old story with new tricks. And that is what you do in storytelling. There's there's this old adage that there's only three stories to tell in all of the world, that they're all the same. Every single story has one of these elements that never changes. In wrestling, I think there is, it's the same rule. The same rule applies. You're going to get repeats. You're going to get retreats. You're going to get exact replicas. The difference lies in the character and the motivation. You have someone like Santa who's doing something that has arguably never been done before or seen before, at least at this level and at this consistency. And then you have Miz, who is a great, uh, although one note, strong enough to hold the to be the foil for this character that people are falling in love with. So tonight was just a further example of how well these two work together. 
how well Miz works as a tag team partner and how well a story can be told with simplicity and a interesting character who's motivated. And I think you can actually say that about both men in regards to this year and that this whole scenario here, and especially with the reactions that he's been getting from the crowd, have completely re-energized Damian Sandow. Right. You can tell it in the way that he's carrying himself, and you can tell it in the way that he has been busting his ass in regards to the ring, in regards to his in-ring work as well. That he's enjoying the fact that, hey, I'm doing something, and people are actually recognizing what I'm doing, and it's working, and it's working organically on the level that we want it to work without having to force it down everybody's throat. Right. He's gone a long way from a horrible Magneto costume to today. Yes, a horrible Magneto costume getting punched in the face by Hugh Jackman. (laughs) And the other thing about it is, too, is that you can tell that they have the makings of a potential star on their hands here if they continue going forward with this Mizdow storyline like the way that it is and if he continues getting the reactions that he's getting. And this isn't something that any of us would have seen a couple months ago when he was doing the impersonations of all the wrestlers and stuff and had absolutely no direction. The long-time right. listeners of the reaction will know that Damian Sandow Mizdow is a favorite of both of us because of the amount of dedication that he puts into his craft. I want to put something into perspective for you, Tony, and then this will be the last thing I touch on here on the hit, and then we'll get into we'll get into the third do, and then the final. Let's talk about Raw before we wrap things up here. And right. the thing that I wanted to mention here is that Damian Sandow has been, or Damian Mizdow, however you want to call him, Aaron the Idol Stevens, has been under WWE contract more or less since two thousand and three, two thousand and two. Wow. This is his very first title in the WWE. What? Yes. Most of that time was spent down in Ohio Valley Wrestling as Aaron the Idol Stevens. He was actually a former Ohio Valley Wrestling Heavyweight Champion when he was managed by Beth Phoenix and Shelly Martinez. Hmm. But this is actually, since he came up as either Aaron the Idol Stevens, because he challenged for the tag titles as part of the teacher's pets, with Casey James back in 2006-2007 against uh, Paul London and Brian Kendrick. And then the teacher's pets thing fizzled out. Michelle McCool got the big push out of that. She was the manager of the tag team. And Aaron Stevens got released and then eventually re-signed and put into the Damian Sandow character. So the reason I bring all this up here is this is grand proof of one thing. Persistence in wrestling pays off. And with that said, my hat's off to Damian Sandow, and congratulations. You've earned everything you're getting right now, buddy. <laughs> Got nothing to touch on? Not, nothing to add to that, huh? No, it's a nice little moment. I'll let it ride. Not usually your style, okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> Get her done! No. Um, yes, the third do is in <laughs> regards to the guest uh, show. You know, here's the thing. I find Larry the Cable Guy completely inoffensive to me. In other words, he doesn't affect me. He doesn't bother me. His 
I've seen his stand up. It was relatively funny. I laughed at you know the um, um, <clears throat> him and 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 I've seen him before, and he's charming in regards to children's films. He's 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 not bad. He's not like basically. If Kim Kardashian were hosting Raw, I'd be upset because I don't like her. Larry the Cable Guy hosting Raw, inoffensive, doesn't bother me. It's not a big deal. However, if there was ever a reason not to have guest hosts that have little to nothing to do about wrestling, tonight was a perfect example as to why. We simply do not care. Just because we don't like or dislike someone doesn't mean that we're going to, uh, or just because we don't dislike someone like Larry the Cable Guy, I don't think anyone actively dislikes him or even finds him annoying as far as wrestling fans go. Um, He has no place there. He has no business there. And it was very, very sad to see that he tried to um, make us laugh. He tried to adhere to our fandom which is rare for a guest host. Usually come, show their shit, walk out. He tried to be our friend, basically. You know, it's like that girlfriend that sits with you and tries to watch wrestling, even though in her mind she's saying, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> Larry the Cable Guy came on and he tried to, and for all we know, he may very well be a wrestling fan, but it's the stigma that has been placed on guest hosts since the, in, since the beginning of this. And that's why they shouldn't be doing it anymore. You want a guest host? Bring back an old wrestler we haven't seen in a long time. Um, at this point, guest host is synonymous with marketing ploy. And everyone knows it. And everyone sees right through it. And what's worse, I believe, is that the product that they usually try to show becomes very um, ignored. Ignored more so than the persona that is on the screen. What were they, they were doing? Jingle all the way to... There was no, I, I, I didn't see a trailer. Maybe I missed it because I was watching it differently, but I didn't see a trailer for it. They didn't really pump it up as a movie that was a must-see. It was simply kind of just there. <laughs> it was just really bothersome, not not in the way where I was mad because he was there, but bothersome into the fact that you realize they're not even trying with these things anymore. So why do it? Yeah, and the main thing there in regards to... uh. <clears throat> the main thing there in regards to the Larry the Cable Guy thing is they actually aired a couple commercials for it during the breaks, but there was never anything directly associated with the show other than announcing and having the little the little Titantron, oh, whatever they want to call it these days. Right, yeah. The Tron air showing it. the jingle all the... Go ahead. I still call it the Titantron. <laughs> Yeah, it's still the Titan front of me. Airing the little jingle all the way to the logo there. And then obviously them using it as a ploy in order to work in the backstage segment that they did with Kane as well. And you, as you said, Larry actually tried to aim towards his audience here, the wrestling audience, in regards to him name-dropping guys like like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like uh, There were a couple others in his opening promo that he name-dropped as well. Uh, throw on the back elbow like his name was Savage. <laughs> well, he he turned that into a Fred Savage joke. Yeah, which didn't it kind of fell flat because I think people were a little bothered by the mention of Savage in general. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is they have that Savage DVD coming out too, though. So. Yeah. Oh well, it's out now. But regardless, um, throwing back elbows like he was Jerry Lawler. And that kind of thing there. So I I appreciate him at least attempting to pander to his audience here. 
But as you said here, this was just a way for them to plug, even in an offhanded kind of way, the jingle all the way to thing that he's doing with Santino. And this is the first time we've seen Santino on television in months. Because Santino, yeah. in addition to doing the movie, Santino's been out with a neck injury and he had to have surgery again. And there's questions about whether or not Santino's ever going to wrestle again. Right. So my big concern is going to be in regards to what does it really do for anybody involved in the segments here? And the answer to it is honestly nothing. Right. And they, I mean, it wasn't as, you know, he, he poured mustard on Santino's head and then 30 minutes later we see Ryback, you know, do the same thing. He kind of telegraphed that for me, man. It's not as cool if it happened to Santino. <laughs> I had another point here, but I lost it. In regards to... Oh, in regards to the guest host thing. It's nice nice that they're actually trying to get guys and girls that have some inclination as to what's going on in the world around them. But you can also tell that Larry was also very uninitiated because of the fact that Cole and Lawler had to basically explain the, the bunny thing to him step by step. Yeah, that bunny thing. And it... And then that entire match just turned into one gigantic series of bad jokes, and I was seriously considering switching over to the Monday Night Football game during it. Um, we have one other thing to touch on here, so let's go ahead and get to it, because we're running a little short on time here. we got less than 10 minutes left here. so uh, Let's talk about Raw here. And the way that you have it phrased here, I'm going to go ahead and let you start because of the way you froze, you phrased it. Wyatt Harper Ambrose chairs and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, they uh, basically, I wanted to give uh, you know the the these guys, <clears throat> particularly Ambrose and um, Harper, come from a world that um, where not a lot of people know in regards to violence and excessive violence and matches that like they know each other basically. And I'm really enjoying that we're going to see a glimpse of that. Although, as minor as it may be, they're bringing... These guys are the ones you want to see do this shit. You want to see Harper and and Ambrose in a TLC match. You want to see that. Um, The reason why I throw Wyatt into this is because he's a part of it, and they didn't forget that. Uh, Other way around. It's Wyatt, Ambrose, Harper's in the part. Yeah, well, there you go. (laughs) <laughs> um, what do you think about the whole burying under the chairs and the tables and the ladders and all that stuff there the fact that they've used it for back-to-back shows does it bother you does it strike you as uncreative do you think it's a sign of comeuppance here from Bray Wyatt tonight and I think it's definitely a you... sign of comeuppance and you saw that by the way he dropped that final chair um, this wasn't to hurt Ambrose this wasn't to make him injured this was to basically send a message. Anything you can do, I can do crazier. And this is what they should have been doing. Do you have any... What's your interest level in the tables, ladders, and chairs match? I'm infinitely more interested in that than I was in the Survivor's Series match. Well, I think a lot of us had to figure going into the Survivor Series match that it wasn't going to end anything resembling cleanly. There was yeah. no way that they were going to blow this off after just one match, and especially not with one of the more signaturely known B pay-per-views coming up. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm okay with it. I'm I'm excited to see it. I want to see it and um the crowd's into it. Man, they were they were gunning for that table. They <laughs> And honestly, I think that's one of the best compliments that you can pay them is the fact that they had they had the crown in the palm of their hands for the entirety of the segment. Yeah, and it was a good match. I think it started off a little slow, but it should start off. Matches should start off slow, um, some of them. But they, man, they they picked it up, and it was hard hitting, and it was it was nice to watch. I had a good time watching it. I also uh, really enjoyed the fact that they actually gave the Intercontinental title match some time, too. Yes. And I think that even if the title's only on temporarily, that's something that they can do in order to make the Intercontinental title seem more important is to have these matches, these feature matches on Raw that people are excited to see and give them the time that they need to develop into something more important. All right, Tony. We're in kind of a time rush here, so I'm going to unfortunately for you not play your sound effect this week. <laughs> not to mention the fact that this the sound effect bothers me in the first place. But oh, son of a bitch! Well, it's a good thing I'm not playing the sound effect because I accidentally knocked my cable out of my computer. So. Oh, okay. I have an Ethernet cord into my computer, and when the cable gets knocked loose, it kicks me offline, so that means that even attempting to load the studio right now would end badly. Oh, I see. So let's just go ahead and get to the final reaction, shall we? Yes. Oh, and I'm going, to break, I'm going to break news right now here on the reaction, that for the episode of the reaction for Monday, December 15th, I will have a live report from Tables, Ladders, and Chairs the night before. Nice. I'm right above ringside on the hard cam side, uh, section 207, 206, something like that. But I am going to be at Tables, Ladders, and Chairs live, so I will have a live report as to what fans may or may not have seen on the show, as well as my thoughts in regards to the show itself. All right, that said, let's get to the final reaction. Tony, your favorite part of tonight's show. Ooh, tough one. Why do I always act like you're never going to ask me this? Cut it kind of close tonight. I'll give it to uh, Harper um, and Ambrose. I think they had a good good match going there. I mean, if not, then I'm just going to give it to AJ's beautiful burn. <clears throat> I'm proud of you for not picking AJ. It's, it's a sign of emotional growth. Uh, your favorite part of last night's Survivor Series pay-per-view? That one's a little tougher. Um, I think the main event was a lot of fun. Uh, I think seeing Sting was, like I said, goosebump-inducing. I really didn't expect that. Um, I didn't expect him to be there. But even if I did expect him to be there, I didn't expect me as a wrestling fan to react the way I did. Um, so that was kind of cool to see, kind of cool to feel that that something like that could still happen. All right, that's fair enough. Your least favorite part of tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw? Um, I didn't like AJ losing. I didn't like the kick out of the Shining Wizard. Um, I didn't like Larry the Cable so Guy's presence. 
I thought you were going to say, so basically A.J. Bree in a nutshell was your least favorite part, and then you go and drop Larry. Yeah, but yeah, definitely. All right, and then I'm going to assume the fact that A.J. and Nikki got completely screwed out of having anything resembling a match last night was your least favorite part of Survivor Series. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I also All didn't right. like that there was no mention of Sting's motives. I don't know what they're doing with that. It's not a big deal, but I can see why people would be bothered by it. I think this is going to be one of those things that slow burns where they get Sting more involved closer on to the road to WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Last night was just an end to a means to get him onto the show and in everybody's minds, and then they'll start more in regards to what's going to happen with him going forward closer towards WrestleMania season. All right. Um, your overall grade for Survivor Series first. Uh, definitely a one-match show. Um, <laughs> I'll give it a B minus just because of the implications of the entirety of the main event and how big of a deal it was and how big of a deal hopefully it becomes. See, I, I, I disagree with you, and I'll get into mine here in a little bit, although we are going to overrun a little bit here tonight, and that's okay because we overran last week too just by a couple of moments, and we get an hour off air, so we're good. Mm-hmm. Um, Your overall letter grade for tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw and why? Um, I can't help but feel like it ended really badly. I'm going to do a B minus for that as well. Um, I didn't like the ending. I, I'm worried about the future now. And that's just because, you know, based on their past, they're just not a good judge of character in regards to the idea that they're presenting. So I'll go B minus. Very close to a C. Whew. Getting sheepy on me over there, Tony. <laughs> oh yeah. My turn. To, my turn to answer these questions. Mhm. All right. My favorite part of Monday. My favorite part of Survivor Series last night was the debut of the man they call Sting. Okay. Uh as you said, Survivor Series was more or less a one-match show. I completely disagree with the fact that it was only a one-match show because. I thought that the four-way tag match was actually pretty good, and I also really enjoyed Ambrose Wyatt, even though the ending was... You could see the ending coming a mile away. Ambrose and Wyatt last night was a good table setter for what's going to happen and the violence that they're going to unleash on each other at TLC, and I think that that right there is enough to justify... If you haven't seen it yet, obviously, the reason you're going to watch this show is because of Sting. Plain and simple. There's no other way around it. That Survivor Series elimination match and the fact that Sting debuts is the reason you're going to watch the show. But the four-way for the tag titles, as well as the, as well as the Ambrose and Wyatt match, are also both pleasant viewing as well. So, uh, my least favorite part of the Survivor Series pay-per-view was the added match. The fact mm. that they felt the need to try to jam another match in there in regards to Adam Rose and the Bunny against Slater Gator which is time that could have been given to Nikki and AJ to actually put on something resembling a decent contest and just go with the five matches you have booked. Don't add shit on the fly at the very end in order to try to appease Adam Rose or to get the bunny on because the bunny's popular or because God knows they don't give a crap about Heath Slater or Titus O'Neil. All right. They could have done that entire segment that they did last night on the pay-per-view in addition to the actual match itself tonight on Raw and then saved then saved what happened tonight on Raw for SmackDown or next week on Raw. Because realistically speaking, it didn't necessitate Larry the Cable Guy's presence at all. 
No. My my most favorite part of tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw was getting to see Daniel Bryan back in the WWE ring. That was pretty cool. It's been far too long, and even though us hardcore fans are going to still be behind him and support him, it's nice to remind even the casual fan that, hey, this guy's still important to us, and once he's back, he will be back in the ring kicking ass and taking names. And it was really nice to see him get a little bit of comeuppance towards the authority by as you said in the report itself, literally throwing it in their faces. Yeah. My least favorite part of Monday Night Raw tonight is actually the reason that you gave it only a B-. minus. God, that ending leaves a sour taste in your mouth. Yeah. Just because we've seen them go down this road with the anonymous general manager before, and especially with Michael Cole, cocksucker supreme, we're in bonus time. I can say that now. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> but we've seen this part of Michael Cole before, and if this is what they're teasing, and especially, God forbid, if they're teasing that Cole is the man behind the keyboard, then it's not going to end well. Fans yeah. are going to turn on this super fast, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people are turning on it already in regards to the fact that they brought back the anonymous general manager in the first place. I stand by my statement. I still think it'll be revealed to be either Triple H or Stephanie as a way to still keep everybody in check. But at the same time, the way that Michael Cole was all giddy about it when he got to go over to the podium and stuff kind of gave me a really bad feeling in my stomach about the way that it was going to go. Yeah, I'm not cool with that. As far as, as, far as my letter grades for the two shows, I gave Survivor Series a B plus. And the reason we're on slightly differing ends of the spectrum here is because like I said, I actually really enjoyed the four-way for the tag titles, and I really liked the fact that Sandow finally got a shining moment there. And in addition, I think Wyatt and Ambrose is going to end up being a worthy companion piece to their match at TLC. Obviously, they're not going to go as hard at Survivor Series as they will at TLC because they have the featured gimmick match at TLC. But at the same time, Survivor Series' match was more than palatable as a preview and a template of what to expect. Yeah. Tonight's Monday Night Raw... Tonight's Monday Night Raw, I give a B even. And the reason I give it a B even is because, as you said, the ending leaves a really sour taste in your mouth. But by and large, other than the ending and other than the ridiculousness that was Larry the Cable Guy, generally speaking, everything that happened on Raw had a point and gave me something to be excited about. We disagree on the Eric Rowan and Big Show thing, and that's because I'm curious to see where Eric Rowan goes from here. I'm curious to see what how they use him and if they're willing to give him a win over an established guy like Big Show in order to help establish his footing as well. Um, Obviously, we both had that sinking feeling in regards to AJ picking up the microphone, but it ended up being nothing more than a burn. I'm hoping that we're not seeing the beginning of the end for AJ because I really enjoy her in-ring work, but at the same time, if she wants to take time off and start a family, spend spend it with you. I know you guys are talking about the family. Yeah. That yeah. That's something that honestly we as wrestling fans can't really be too greedy about in regards to butting into people's personal lives because I think a lot of times as fans we tend to overstep our boundaries as to what we can and can't mm. expect from people. I disagree. No, I'm just kidding. I totally agree. Um <laughs> So it's just a case for me of I don't want to overstep. I just I don't think we should overstep any boundaries here. If she needs time to recharge her batteries and hopefully come back 
down the road, then that's great. And if not, then we have to enjoy the time that we've had her. I mean, she's been around now for, what, going on five years, I think. Mm. Probably closer to four, I think, because NXT is late 2010. Exactly. And she's left a good... And she's left a good legacy of matches. Maybe no great matches, but a lot of good matches in her weight, too. Yeah. I still feel that there's so much potential for a great match between her and so many people. They just never get the chance. No, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I think it's a case of there are talented hands in the Divas division. It's just becoming a, it becomes a case of booking them properly and then giving them the time to tell the story that they need to tell. I think there could have been potential in that Nikki and a- in that uh, Nikki AJ match at Survivor Series. They just got dicked by the booking staff right before they got ready to go out to the ring. Mm-hmm. They got told, "Oh, by the way, you guys are getting a half a minute inside of the ring, bell to bell." Yeah, I've always, have fun. I've always wondered what their res- what people's response would be to that. To that, like if someone came up to me and said that, I think I'd be pretty pissed off. <laughs> like, uh, like I. I don't know how pissed off I would be, but pretty upset. And um, I wonder how they deal with that. I could imagine that somebody would end up walking out of the company off of something like that. <laughs> Possibly. I think, yeah, that's a possibility. I don't know if anyone actually would, but... <laughs> uh, it's it's happened before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it has. And it's actually not the person you probably think I'm referring to. Well, I'm I'm assuming, you know, Stone Cold did refuse to go, um, you know, uh, to put Brock well, on for... Austin's one, but the one that I was specifically referring to was Gail Kim. Okay, yeah, that's true. And that fits much more, much better than, than Stone Cold. Because Gail Kim actually got told how much time they were getting for a battle royal and eliminated herself from the battle royal and walked out of the company. Yeah. Dropped to the mat, rolled to the floor, and walked out. And now she's on Destination America starting on Thursday nights in January. To which 90% of our listening base is like, what the fuck is Destination America? Which was pretty much my reaction when I first started. (laughs) It's a television network. (laughs) (laughs) Which was pretty much my reaction when I originally heard the conversation, too. I'm like, the hell is that? Oh. Yeah. So there you have it. Uh, anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here, Tony? Um, Not really. Just want to make sure that you have yourself a nice little Thanksgiving. Um, I'm going to be grubbing for sure. I've got two different Thanksgiving dinners I'm going to. I am going to put on so much weight this weekend. It is going to be ridiculous. I am you, excited. Uh, I do get to see my I do get to see my niece and my nephew for the first time since June, though. So I'm really excited about. That. Oh wow! Do you um, do you make a turkey at all? Is that is that a thing you do? Uh both sets of parents, mine and my girlfriend's, are making turkeys. So I will definitely nice. be putting away some turkey this Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. And my girlfriend's dad actually does deep fried turkey, which I've heard of before, but never actually tried. I'm really looking forward to seeing how it is. Well, we'll talk about it next week. <laughs> I'm sure we will. Also, to our fans in the St. Louis area, anybody in that general Missouri state, our thoughts and prayers are with you. For the love of God, people, don't do anything stupid. 
Yeah, well, they already are. But yeah, stay inside. Um, you know, if you have no out. reason to be out in that general area right now, don't. Because obviously there are some people down there whose rash decisions are getting the better of their common sense and they're making some really stupid choices right now. And it's endangering the lives and safety of the life and the safety of a lot of other people, and we need no part of that. Remember, everybody, we only have one planet, and we have to take care of each other. And I like a majority of you guys, so, you know, just be safe. Yeah, especially if you're down in that area where everything's going off in regards to the whole Missouri, St. Louis, Ferguson area there. Like I said, our thoughts, our thoughts and our prayers are there with it, with them down there. In addition to everybody up in the Northeast digging out after that huge, after that huge storm, my Bills had to go to six and five tonight by whooping the Jets' ass in Detroit. <laughs> and we did thirty-eight to three, might I add. But rather than having a home game this weekend like we were supposed to, needless to say, you can't really play a football game in six feet of snow at Ralph Wilson. Pretty tough. So the game got moved to Detroit, and we still whooped that jet ass. Enjoy the unemployment line, Rex Ryan. I'll miss having you to kick around next season. Um, I think that's about it for us. Yeah. For 411 Manius, Tony Acero, I'm Harry Broadhurst saying thank you for listening, and we will catch up with you all December 1st. Good. God, it's going to be eight months we've been doing this crap. Wow, that's crazy. That's almost a baby. <laughs> well, I'd like to think of it as our little baby. In All a completely right. heterosexual way. Yeah. Not like a bunny humping way. <laughs> no. The exact opposite of a bunny humping way, sir. For little Four four one one manias, Tony Acero. I am Reaction Pro Wrestling's Harry Broadhurst, thanking you for listening to this edition of the Reaction. As I said, we will see you next week, December first, for the next edition of the Reaction and more going forward. Will the anonymous Raw General Manager be the reason that we decide to want to choke somebody next week? Only well, one way to find out. Stay tuned. We'll catch you next week, everybody. Have a good night. I swear to God. God, I'm going to fucking punch you. (laughs) Get your line in here so I can play the music. Deuces, bitches.